Welcome back to the Take Me Later podcast, which is part of Fantasy Basketball International. This is episode 37, and for this one, we're just going to get back to our roots and dive into some dynasty players and evaluate stocks based on the first few weeks of the season. So let's go ahead and get into it. Just before we get into that, I just want to do, I guess, a few housekeeping things. We can call it housekeeping, I guess. Um, last week's episode, I had my friend Spencer Rogers on, uh, Division One basketball player that's now trying to figure things out at the professional level. Um, was in talks with uh, the Hawks for a little bit about maybe joining them uh, with the G League College Park Skyhawks. Um, still trying to figure things out for him, but it was great to be able to, one, catch up with him good friend of mine, and then to go through his career, kind of talk about um, his time playing at Troy and entering the transfer portal and playing at Kennesaw, winning a uh, championship there uh, in their conference, and then participating in, uh, was it the G League uh, showcase? I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the wrong wording. It's actually called something else, but that's what it is. Um, and then also working out for the Hawks. So it was cool to hear about that experience from him. Um, and I'm hoping to be able to get more players and more non-fantasy people on that are actively involved with basketball on the professional level, just to be able to bring that perspective. I know I talked about it a little bit uh, before Spencer joined me last time, but I wanted to give a little bit more of an explanation because I didn't want to keep him waiting while I was diving into all that. But um, I guess the idea is that you know, if you're looking at, if you're scrolling through Twitter, I think it's the easiest place to find it. And you just see um, people talking on Twitter about football or gambling or betting. It's like, I mean, it happens in the NBA as well. If you saw it uh, within the last day or two with Malik Monk and Davion Mitchell and just people saying disrespectful things. And it's like, sure, it's, it's funny if you see it on Twitter, but it's also not how we want to approach things. I don't, I don't think it's something that anybody that creates content should or like would say. So I don't think there's anybody that would do that. Obviously it's just random people, but um, I think it's important to approach that level of respect as we want to grow fantasy basketball. Cause I think everybody that plays it um, enough and is hardcore enough to want to listen to podcasts uh, cares about it and wants it to grow because it's something that we all spend way, way too much time doing. Um, so I think growing it is best when actually working with the leagues. If you look at football, like a guy like an Austin Eckler, who's one of the best fantasy football running backs and also is part of like, he has a podcast with, I think Matt Harmon. Um, I haven't looked it up enough to see if that's through Yahoo or something else, but anyways, he co-hosts a fantasy football podcast and it's like, could we get that in, in the NBA where NBA players are actively not, you know, playing the game, worried about fantasy stats and like category value, like obviously not that, or trying to care, like not caring about that a ton, but to where they feel comfortable. Okay. Like the fantasy community knows what they're talking about enough. One for me to want to talk to them and two can provide extra insight for us. Cause one that can help us, but two, it 
it helps grow the community because the casual NBA fan may be interested in fantasy basketball if NBA players care enough to at least acknowledge it. Because to my knowledge, nobody cares uh, that's in the NBA, around the NBA. And I'm not asking for people to say, well, you know, maybe you guys, NBA players, need to worry more about fantasy stats. Like, no, that's obviously not what I'm trying to preach. But I think to grow the game, getting more people that are involved on non-fantasy side that are either in organizations or even content creators and writers that are just NBA people, not fantasy people. Like that perspective is obviously important because we take what they do and put our fantasy spin on it. So um, it's something I want to do. I'm hoping to be able to get more guests um, and start working the way up to maybe getting very, very cool NBA players. I have no idea if that is going to happen, but I'm going to try and make it happen because I think one, it's cool to be able to talk to players about their stories and who they are as people. Cause I think that's very important as well. Um, and kind of gets lost at times when we're just looking at numbers, uh, but also just trying to blend the NBA with fantasy basketball and trying to grow it. And that's kind of my goal. I think it's pretty cool. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, hopefully we'll be able to player interviews. I guess it's kind of what I called the first one. We'll see if that name changes as we get through more of them, but um, the other thing is I haven't really tweeted about it, but I know a couple of the other dynasty analysts have. We did a college fantasy basketball league, uh, basically draft. I think there was 10 of us in the league um, just went through 12 rounds. Actually, we had 120 players drafted, which is obviously twice as many as will be drafted um, in the NBA draft. But um, I think it was just for me, I'm not sure everybody else wanted to do it if people wanted to be more competitive or not. I think for me it was I need a starting point to be able to scout next year's class. Um, one of my friends for uh, – we do it for fantasy football for our dynasty league where we just kind of draft in a spreadsheet really a few players a week just for us to be able to keep an eye on stats and players and players that we like because it's fun to be able to say I drafted this player in our college league and then – was able to draft him in my dynasty league and like have him throughout his entire career. I think that's fun. Um, maybe that's something where we can look at branching out dynasty into doing like kind of Debbie formats, like dynasty football does. I don't really know of any in the NBA or on fantasy basketball side that do that, but maybe I'm just totally behind on the times and there are leagues that do that. Um, I don't know if that's something that I would be any good at, at least to start, but could be a lot of fun, but I will, Go ahead, and if you're watching this, you can see the draft board. Um, it doesn't – you know, I'm going to see if I can make this look a little bit prettier, if I can um, view this differently. But it doesn't look like I can. Okay, so we're just going to do that there, and it's probably very, very difficult to read. Um, just to be <laughs> honest here, I really – haven't done a ton of scouting. I know some names, but I just kind of took tankathon.com's best prospects. I don't even know if they're the best uh, or most accurate for prospect list, but they had a list that went pretty deep. And I was like, I'm just going to draft some players from this list based on their rankings. Uh, just get them on my roster and, and see how things go. If I lose every game, I don't really care. I'm just trying to familiarize myself with some of these players. I know Isaiah Collier's at least had one good game because I saw it on Twitter. Um, so hopefully he's able to keep that up. Um, by the end of it, I was just getting guys that I knew who they were. Um, and then obviously, well, not obviously, but fifth round, I got Nahima Lean 
uh, from, he just transferred to St. John's from UConn. I played with him in high school. So I wanted to be able to make sure to get him on my roster. The last two guys, uh, one of them played in my County. And then the last one, Davon Smith, um, I played AAU within like middle school. So I was like, okay, cool. Like I'll just, they're in the app. I think that's kind of cool to me anyway, but um, got them on my roster. I have no idea who has the best roster or not because I don't know enough about the prospects yet. So I'm sure different guys will be tweeting this out. I know some were already tweeting out their um, draft results. So uh, got a lot of different dynasty analysts in on this. So hopefully this helps us as a dynasty fantasy basketball community uh, be able to deliver even better draft content. So we kind of know more of what we're talking about uh, to hopefully be able to take what happens in the NBA draft in June and give you the best analysis of where players should be taken in your rookie drafts for your league. So this will help us familiarize ourselves. It seemed like when we were drafting that um, everybody else kind of knew what they were talking about, except for me. So I definitely have some catching up to do uh, to be able to analyze some of these prospects the way some of these other guys know, but got to start somewhere. So, because there's, I know multiple times, again, I, I'm just drafting off of a random draft sheet online and people were like, man, you, you got my guy. And I was like, oops, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, like, I was just kind of going with best available based on a list. So um, that's that I'm made provide updates throughout the year on that. Um, and I think what I talked about with somebody, who did I talk about this? I think it was from point made um, basketball. Yeah. I don't know uh, which one of them DM me. Cause I'm pretty sure they have multiple people behind that account. Um, they DM'd and kind of said like, Hey, like what if we did, like we measured based on how we drafted and then how it turns out in the NBA draft and like trying to see who drafted the best team right now. And then uh, based on where players get drafted in gym. So again, no idea how that's going to turn out. Um, hopefully my list uh, was able to provide me with some good value. Um, I don't think this is anywhere close to how the NBA draft is going to pan out. Also because this is just college prospects. It's no Euro league, no G league ignite. So that changes a good bit of what the NBA draft is obviously going to look like. Um, but this is what we're rolling with should be fun. I would imagine that, well, statistically it kind of has to be this way over half of these players won't be drafted next season, whether they return or just go undrafted. So it, uh, it's definitely way, way more in depth than we probably needed to go, but making sure we cover all the bases and should be fun. But now we will get into, um, a little bit of a dynasty stock watch. I feel like that's just kind of an easy kind of rolls off the tongue. Well, way to say, we're just going to kind of look at some guys that have done well and talk about it. So um, obviously if you look at dynasty content in general, well, I'm not, not going to say that because actually everybody seems to do pretty in-depth content, but I think the general, you know, everybody knows, I guess what I'm trying to say, everybody knows that Victor Wembanyama is incredible. Everybody knows Sar Thompson has been awesome to start, has so much upside. Everybody knows Scoot Henderson has not gotten off to a good start. So I'm not going to really talk about that because it almost feels like a waste of time. Um, so some of these guys, you may even say, Noah, that one's a waste of time too. Everybody kind of feels the same way. And it's like, yeah, I just kind of wanted to talk about him. 
So sorry, I'm doing it. Um, first one is Marcus Sasser from Detroit. Um, I believe it was a draft day trade. Maybe it was some other trade. It wasn't a draft day that allowed them to get him with the 25th pick. Um, through um, the start of the season so far, 10.9 points, 2.8 rebounds, 2.7 assists, one steal, 1.93s. Last four games, he's averaged 18 and a half points, three and a half rebounds, 3.3 assists, one steal, and 3.33s. Um, I saw a highlight uh, tape come up of Marcus Sasser, which I think is just awesome when non-star players. I mean, it's especially fun for rookies just getting to see a highlight reel of them for the first time uh, pop up on Twitter. But obviously, I think it's just non-stars when they when people put together one or two minute clips of them just in their best moves best plays it it's a lot of fun because you don't really get to see that on most national media outlets um but a marcus sasser highlight reel was awesome um very smooth handle uh can create his own shot which i think you know that's important in the nba but um, it seems like right now he's really benefited from Jaden Ivy, Jaden Ivy being out. Uh, Alec Burks has been out. Killian Hayes is in the starting lineup next to Cade Cunningham. Bojan Bogdanovic has been out. Joe Harris is out. So he's really the only bench player, especially on the perimeter, seeing any sort of minutes. And he's really benefited from that role, which is why the numbers look as good as they do for a rookie. Um, I would not be surprised at all based on what we see in the early going. He, I think if if we were voting today, not we were voting because I'm not voting, but would he be a first-team all-rookie? I have to kind of look at, but I feel like Wemby and Asar Thompson ahead of him. Um, who else am I? Am I just am I just flat out missing anybody? Because I don't think you would take Scooter, Brandon Miller, Amen Thompson hasn't played enough. Anthony Black's been able to see a couple starts and he's been good, but I, I think. Marcus Sasser may be all rookie first team as of today. Um, and because I'm trying to think before I, I say an outlandish thing like that. I go through Derek Lively would probably be all, all NBA or all rookie first team. Um, and that might be a Jordan Hawkins, maybe the other one. And I think that'd be your five because if I'm just missing somebody entirely, apologies, I wasn't even prepared to, make that statement but i think he's been really good so far i've seen a lot of people that know a lot more about uh or pay a lot better attention and know more about the nba than i do saying that like we could just be looking at marcus sasser as the shooting guard of the future in detroit um so could he be is it not Jaden ivy or killian hayes i don't think anybody expected it to be killian hayes i didn't think hayes was gonna be in the rotation at all this year um i expected Jaden ivy to start and then obviously preseason happened and he wasn't starting for him to be out that long with an illness, but Marcus Sasser's really stepped up in that opportunity um, for minutes. Played really well. Um, it's kind of hard to say anything negative about him considering he's a late first-round pick, and now he's doing really, really well. So not going to put a number on any of these guys as far as, oh, they went in my rankings from this to this because I haven't updated my rankings, but I think these are guys that are playing well. And they're also very young and seem to be really taking advantage of the opportunity. And I think without looking at it specifically, I would say I'm definitely bumping this guy up in my dynasty rankings. So trending upwards, I guess, if we're going to 
go with the uh, the stock thing and try and say, oh yeah, so stock trending up. Um, next one, Jalen Johnson. I think if you follow me on Twitter, you probably know I'm a Hawks fan, and I really like Jalen Johnson. And with his start to the season, um, he's started five of their eight games. They're four and one when he starts, and one and two when he comes off the bench. Uh, his average is 15.8 points, 8.8 rebounds, three assists, 1.2 steals, 0.8 blocks, 1.4 threes, shooting splits. He's shooting 59.3% from the floor, 43.8% from three, and 72.1% from the free throw line, which isn't great. But it's more important to look at the 59% field goal percentage and 43.8% from three. He wasn't like coming out of college. He was, I remember early on, like a top five, top six prospect in that uh, 2021 class, 2021, yeah. And his stock really dropped when his situation at Duke kind of happened where he just left the team. And I think, I don't remember the story exactly correctly, so don't quote me on this, but it was something along the lines of like Duke season was kind of over and he wanted to focus on the NBA draft. And it's like, obviously if you go to Duke, even though everybody knows you're one and done, like you're expected to be like a Duke player. I think that's kind of like what college fans expect, Um, which, you know, it forced, it resulted in him falling to the Hawks at 20. And a lot of, there was a lot of quote unquote character questions about him, which I think it was not necessarily his character. I think that was just the way it was said, but it was more about like commitment, I guess. Anyways, ended up falling to the Hawks. Um, great value pick for them to take an upside swing on, and it has panned out in year three after spending year one in the G League and year two coming off the bench behind John Collins. To start this year, I believe I said during the preseason for redraft that I'm happy to take a late-round flyer on him last round or two with the hopes that he would eventually take over as the starter over the course of the season, but that Sadiq Bay was going to start the season as the starter. And he did for like a game. And now he's through eight games. Jalen Johnson started five of them. Um, and it's been phenomenal. I think a lot of that, um, you know, I actually just realized he hasn't been shooting 43.8% from three. I'm looking at his numbers next to me right now. That's a typo by me. 34.8% from three is very different from 43% from three. So I think that was just a typo by me. I hope I didn't just like get that from a bad source that had it like that. But yeah, so he is not actually shooting 42.8. That's 34.8. Very, very big difference. But considering he shot 23.1% as a rookie from three and 28.8% last year, it's still a step up and an improvement to not necessarily league average. I don't know what that number is off the top of my head, but closer to league average um, and what they were. I mean, that's probably all you can expect out of him because the reason I was going to say uh, that Sadiq Bey was going to be the starter is because of his spacing. Um, Sadiq Bey is a better three-point shooter than Jalen Johnson. And I think with what Quinn Snyder wants to do, he wants to be able to give Trey Young and DeJounte Murray as much spacing as possible. Um, and just to be able to help them operate and get shots at the rim and behind the three-point line, um, which the Hawks offense has been really, really good despite Trey Young being unable to hit shots before the game against the Magic on Thursday night where he scored like 33 in the first half and still ended up shooting below 50% from the field because he got cold kind of there at the end. But 
I think Jalen Johnson's fit in Atlanta has been awesome. Um, much better than John Collins as far as fit goes with the Hawks. So I loved John Collins. And I think a lot of that was, you know, wanting to see more pick and rolls with him and Trey Young because I feel like they kind of went away from that when Clint Capella got there, but also just a locker room guy. He was great. Um, but Jalen Johnson has just fit much better with what Quinn Snyder wants to do. So it's worked out really well for him. Um, was able to take the starting job pretty quickly because simply put, he has been better than Sadiq Bay. Even if Sadiq Bay is a little bit of a better shooter, Jalen Johnson has been a good enough shooter and just about everywhere else he's been better. So seeing him be a one man fast break at times has been fun. Um, he's been in much improved defensively, both with the stats and just like making a defensive impact. I think I saw a stat earlier. Now I got it. Let me see if I can just pull it up quickly. Um, where he's like one of the best isolation defenders in the league. I don't think I, uh, maybe I didn't retweet it. That's kind of disappointing by me because I liked that stat. It was like isolation points per possession. He was best in the league. Okay. I don't remember where I saw that. So I can't credit anybody either, but he's been good. And it seems like he is the power forward of the future in Atlanta. I expected Inyeka Kongu to be the first guy to, or the next guy to enter the starting unit. But with Clint Capella still there, that just hasn't happened. Um, and it doesn't seem like, you know, five and three start for the Hawks, unless things mellow out and they stick around 500 basketball, like they were last year. Um, which they started 0 2 this year and then won, I believe, four in a row before losing to the Thunder and then won again against Orlando. Things look better. Um, they are still a really, really good offense. I think top five offense, um, even with Trey Young shooting horrendously, which just simply will get better. I don't know, like at least 42%, and he's shot like 34, 35%. I got to stop throwing out numbers. Okay, 35.6%. Yeah, so I'm just making, uh, not making stuff up, but just guessing when it's right there for me. Um, and so that'll get better. And they've been about league average on defense. So um, Hawks look good, which is fun for me because I thought everything was really bad after the first two games because we lost. But um, Jalen Johnson looks really, really good. And I'm excited about that. Uh, Case and Wallace, uh, 8.8 points, 2.5 rebounds, 1.5 assists, 1-3, has shot 69.2% from the field this season, which is really good, especially for a rookie. Um, he just has that, I don't know, when when he's on the court, like, it's just you can just see the, the patience, I guess, uh, from him where he just doesn't look sped up as a good on-ball defender, even if the steals haven't really been there. He's going to be in the league for a long time. Uh, he started one game this year, had 13 points, two boards, one assist, nothing special. Uh, but he is a very talented Oklahoma City Thunder uh, or team's sixth man. There we go. That's what I'm trying to say. And the fantasy stats haven't really been there, which is, but that's fine. I think he just looks like a guy that's going to be around for a really long time. And Thunder drafted for talent. I really like uh, Wallace as a prospect. Wasn't thrilled when the Thunder drafted him just because I'm like, okay, they already have Josh Giddy and they have SGA and they have Lou Dort and they have Jalen Williams and they're starting all four of them. Um, so he's been able to beat out other guys for that six man spot. Um, I don't really know what the path is for him to be a starter unless they just bump out Lou Dort eventually. 
who's also played really well to start this season. Um, and Casey Wallace kind of moves into the starting unit. We'll see. Uh, that may take a couple years, but happy with what he's done so far, even if it hasn't, he's not a guy that you're going to want in redraft leagues, at least yet. If there's like an injury and he has an extended period of time as a starter, then maybe. Um, but he didn't show that in his one start where it's like, okay, like when he starts, you need him in the lineup. I think he's just a very solid player right now. And that one day he's going to end up being more of like, okay, like a really, really good fantasy player. If he gets an opportunity with the ball in his hands more, where does is that happen? <clears throat> does that happen in OKC? Um, we'll see. I'm not saying, oh, he's a rookie that's played what eight games. Let's trade him. Like that's not what I'm campaigning for. I'm just saying, you know, with what they already have with SGA and Josh Giddy in the backcourt, could they make that work with Casey Wallace as a third starter? Maybe. Is that maximizing his fantasy stat set? Probably not. Are the Thunder going to care? No, and that's okay. But it's just something to keep in mind that, one, he's looked good, and two, the situation is still questionable for the future, but with how quickly situations change in the NBA, I'm I'm happy with the talent, happy with what he's done so far. Um, I guess just to put a bow on it, and I forgot to do this with Jalen Johnson as well, stop going up, which is what most of these guys are going to be. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, uh, only has played 11 minutes per game, 5.2 points, 3.2 rebounds, and a block. Um, a game against the Pelicans where he actually saw a good bit of minutes. He had 13 points, nine boards, and four blocks. That was a game where they blew out the Pelicans. And so he was able to see a bunch of extra minutes. He's not going to see a ton as a rookie. Just I think we kind of talked about this preseason just with Draymond there and Andrew Wiggins and Kevon Looney and Jonathan Kaminga and Dario Saric has been, you know, the – Draymond missed the game the other night and it was Sarge just stepped in the starting unit, not Chris Paul, not Jonathan Kuminga, which was, I don't I want to say eye-opening, but interesting. Maybe Steve Kerr was just trying to test fit. Maybe he likes Kuminga off the bench, but it was a little disappointing, I think, um, for anybody that wanted to see Kuminga get a little bit more of a role to see him still come off the bench when Draymond was out. But um, Jackson Davis is a guy that I was pretty okay with taking uh, – I think it was either in multiple dynasty leagues and, and mocks as well, just kind of in that later round, just getting him um, as a guy that was very talented in college and was kind of expected to go early second round, fell to the Warriors late second round, which is a team that just doesn't have a ton of depth in the front court. Like we know Kevon Looney's their starting center. We know Draymond's the starting power forward. And we know Kuminga's there right now. And then they signed Saric. So it's like there's not a ton of competition where it's like, there's just no way this guy's seeing minutes as a rookie. And that's why we've been able to see him play year one. Um, just a guy to kind of stash, um, but was pretty impressed to see him do that game against the Pelicans, even if it was their backups as well as a rookie. Um, so definitely want to keep him around. Um, just seeing him get any NBA minutes in year one is encouraging. Uh, Jalen Green, he I'm not super high on just about – everybody in Houston outside of Tari Eason and out. Wow. Okay. I'm lower on Jalen Gray and Jabari Smith than consensus. I think Fred Van Vliet's a guy that is like a good fantasy player that I've just, for some reason, not really clicked with wanting to draft him. Um, and then Dylan Brooks is Dylan Brooks. And I think he's very polarizing, um, but not very much a fantasy guy as much as he is like an NBA guy. Like he's, 
the definition, even though he has been good for fantasy uh, pretty early on. But so far this season, Jalen Green, 19.6 points, 4.3 rebounds, 2.6 assists, 2.13s, 46% from the floor. Um, the Rockets have won their last four games. And during that, he shot, or excuse me, he's scored 21 points, 3.8 rebounds, 3.3 assists, one steal, three threes, 52% from the floor, and 57.1% from beyond the arc. And I was going to, I meant to write this one down. I didn't include that. So let me pull this up. Last four games. So that's what he's done there in 28.4 minutes per game because they've literally blown out their last three opponents. They've played the Kings twice and the Lakers once, and they've blown them all out. The first win, and that was Charlotte. I believe they won that one by nine. But they, the last three, they've, I think, won by an average of like 26 or 27 points per game against the Kings, you know, number three in the West last year, and the Lakers, who made the Western Conference Finals. The Kings are without De'Aaron Fox, Lakers without Anthony Davis, but it's a good step for a Rockets team that's been at the bottom of the league for the last few years. Um, it seems to actually be working out much better than it looked through three games where it was like, wow, they did all these moves in the offseason and, all, and it's not doing anything. But it seems to be doing something, which is really encouraging uh, just for Houston in general. Um, but seeing Jalen Green play efficient basketball, because I think that was a lot of what it turned into was, you know, he's taking tough shots. Yes, he's a shot creator. Yes, like that happens. But seeing him shoot 52% from the floor over a four-game stretch where they're playing three playoff teams and, you know, Charlotte, who's not not a bottom feeder, but I think that kind of goes back to, I don't, I had a tweet towards the beginning of the season where it's like, there are 30 NBA teams where it's like, I think they have a realistic chance to at least make the play in tournament. And obviously as thing ha things happen, opportunities change and that kind of falls away, but everybody has at least enough talent to say we're a postseason team or enough talent to say we have our core. Like we have multiple future, um, starters on our team. I don't want to say future stars, even though you could have having the upside of future stars. You have multiple players that have the upside of being a future star um, on just about, or excuse me, on every team in the league. So it's one of those two qualifications, which is just a great spot for the NBA, which is just fun. It's exciting to watch every single game and, and not say like, well, we have no chance tonight or, oh, this is going to be an easy win. Like every game, has a chance going into it. Obviously, blowouts happen. We, I'm just talking about the Rockets blowing out their last three opponents, but we're talking about the Rockets have started out 0-3 and have been at the bottom of the league, blowing out playoff teams. So talent is across the league. Super exciting. Great season for the NBA. Um, Jalen Green looks good. So if he's you know bumping up from the 28 minutes per game he's seeing because they're blowing teams out, do those numbers get better? Um, maybe slightly less efficient because I don't think he's going to keep shooting 52% from the floor um, over the course of a full season. But seeing him get up from 42% is encouraging. So things are looking up for Jalen Green and the Houston Rockets in general. Cam Thomas, um, goodness gracious, another typo on my slide, but uh, 26.9 points, 3.8 rebounds, 2.1 assists, 0.9 steals, 2.1 threes. 47.9% from the floor. Um, after the first few games, he was shooting something ridiculous, like 60% from the floor. And I'm like, okay, so that's not going to continue. But he's still been a third-round value while shooting 48% from the floor. And I think that's a lot more realistic. 
um, because he will have nights where he just can't miss and he will have nights where he just can't make anything. But still one of, do I want to say he's one of the best shot creators in the NBA? I might. Like, I don't know what one of the best means. Does that mean top 25 or does that mean top 10 to people? I don't know. Um, it feels like if I were to say, uh, checking up one-on-one, top of the key, who who do I trust the most to go get a bucket? I would say off the top of my head, De'Aaron Fox. I don't know I'm saying De'Aaron Fox. Cam Thomas is probably like pretty easily top 50 could have consideration for top 25. I don't know. I think maybe that's entirely outlandish and not something that's ever going to be measured. So not really important. Me getting off track. Cool. Um, so he, through seven games played, he scored at least, well, he has a 40 point game and three others where he scored at least 30. It doesn't include the 40 point game. Um, he's been awesome to start this season. Um, I don't think it was, when we saw him last year, it was like, oh, he had like three 40-point games in a row, and then like, bam, out of the rotation. It doesn't feel like that to me is going to happen. However, he was only starting because Cam Johnson was hurt. He moved into the starting unit, and now Cam Johnson's going to be back or is back on Friday. Ben Simmons out another game. I don't remember if Claxton is playing or not, but now Cam Thomas is out, I believe, at least two weeks. So what does the rotation look like when he gets back? Is he the sixth man? Because are they starting Ben Simmons, Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Nick Claxton? Like, are you benching Dinwiddie to start Cam Thomas? Or are you going to say, hey, Cam Thomas, when you come off the bench, you can shoot whenever you want. We don't really care. Um, the starters are going to you know, have a little bit more direction. But Cam Thomas, when you come in the game, your job is to score. So are we going to give him 20, 25 minutes per game and say, hey, run wild? Um, and that'll obviously hurt his numbers a little bit, but he'll still be able to give you a good amount of points. I think it's something to uh, consider is this was this first two weeks, just kind of another stretch of games where Cam Thomas looks like one of the best scorers in the league. And then all of a sudden he's reduced to a bench roll again. Maybe I think it's something to keep in mind. What does it look like when he gets back in the rotation? It may take a game or two, where they're easing him into it. And then what does it look like? Is he a six man that's playing 25 to 30 minutes because they like him off the bench, but they don't want him in the starting unit as much because they, they like him as kind of the spark plug, but they're still going to play him plenty. Is that what that looks like? I don't know. It's something, something to consider, but he has been awesome to start the season. If he keeps this up, I mean, it's kind of hard to uh, deny the results of what he's done and say, yeah, like, I don't really like his fantasy upside. Like, it's the upside and potential are there. It's just about getting the role. And is it something that can translate to winning basketball? Because if it's not saying it's not, I'm just saying, like, there are players that we know are more than capable of scoring a ton of points that have to take on smaller roles to be able to be on winning teams or et cetera, et cetera. Different things happen that prevent them from really being able to be at their best. But um, what does that look like for Cam Thomas? I don't know. I think it's something, it's a, it's a big question mark that we'll just have to see in a couple of weeks. Hopefully he can still see, I would say bare minimum, I would expect 20 minutes per game. Getting closer to 25 would be most ideal for him. Um, but it's kind of hard to buy in to Cam Thomas now because 
he's riding one of his hot streaks. I think the next time he goes cold, you might be more interested in trying to buy low, but is he going to get on another hot streak and then go cold again? Just not saying, oh, his shot's just not falling. It's other factors as well. So kind of stinks that this angle injury is really throwing off the groove he was in. But um, the last guy specifically I want to talk about is Benedict Matherin. Um, 13.9 points, 4.4 rebounds, 2.7 assists, 0.9 steals, 1.3 threes, 43.8% from the floor, and in 25.6 minutes per game. However, their last two games, which were back-to-back on Wednesday and Thursday, played 37 minutes per game, averaged 24 points, 10 boards, 3 assists, 1.5 steals, 3.5 threes. It kind of seemed like, hey, we're going to unleash Benedict Matherin. And the results were awesome. So will uh, will that continue? Will he keep seeing high 30s minutes as opposed to like mid-20s? I don't know. Um, hopefully we can keep those minutes high because he's a really, really good scorer, and he proved that and, and showed the rebounding a little bit as well. Um, it's kind of hard to, to say, hey, you just had these really good games. Um, we're going to go back to playing you less. So hopefully that can result in more minutes for him because he's been really, really good the last two games. Um, things are looking up for him after kind of a slow start to the season, but he is a, the starter in Indiana. Um, at uh, I guess you'd say shooting guard because Bruce Brown's probably small forward. Um, and he's going to be starting there for a really long time and it's starting to pan out pretty quickly. I was kind of skeptical about how that would look um, heading into the season. Last two games looking really good, something to keep an eye on. Then we have, so excuse me, this is the last one uh, for players. Uh, Jordan Hawkins, 12.8 points, 3.6 boards, 1.6 dimes, 2.8 threes, 38.2% from the floor. He has five starts uh, in those averaging 15 points, four rebounds, two assists, one steal, four threes, 36.2% from the floor. And then he had a 31-point game with seven threes against the, the Nuggets just a few days ago. He's really benefited from the opportunity of heading into the starting, like being in the starting lineup because the Pelicans have been without Trey Murphy and then Herb Jones and then Zion Williamson and now CJ McCollum. And like he's in the starting unit. And when he gets hot, he's a really good scorer. But I'm, I was very skeptical about him because in summer league, he was bad. And then the preseason, he wasn't good. And then all of a sudden, Oh, regular season. Cool. I'll start playing basketball and has some really, really good games. He had some poor shooting performances as well, but pretty impressive what he's done so far. Um, when the team's healthy, he's going to come off the bench and probably won't have enough of a role to really impact this season. Um, and what he's shown us is that he is a capable shooter, but he's got to be hot and that, you know, he could tank your field goal percentage. I had somebody in a Q and a, Throughout the world, ask um, if, or maybe it was, I think that was that, or maybe it was when I was doing a Reddit QA. I don't remember which one. Um, is Jordan Hawkins going to be kind of like Cam Thomas? And I just, I don't think that's necessarily the case. He had one really big scoring performance and he's hitting a lot of catch and shoot threes. Cam Thomas is hitting step backs, like very, very difficult shots. He is a shot creator. Jordan Hawkins is a good scorer, um, different role though. And you know, it's, it's kind of hard to say. I think it's, it's fun for a rookie that we didn't really expect to give us much production during his first season uh, to have games like this, but he also, you know, will the field goal 
percentage get better as he plays more seasons? Probably. Um, can he maintain getting a steal per game? We'll see. But other than that, it's like points and threes. So kind of a specialist in that aspect. Um, we'll see if things grow, but he's getting excuse me, he's getting the opportunity early on, which is pretty encouraging that um, for him that he entered the starting lineup over Dyson Daniels when CJ McCollum went out, even though he needed a point guard. So they must think highly of him. Um, so things are looking good for Jordan Hawkins because I, I remember him specifically being a guy or one of the guys where people were saying, yeah, I don't really care that he went in the lottery. Um, I don't think he's like a good fantasy player and I didn't disagree, but if he's seeing the minutes, like I, I know I said this at the beginning, I think he's like, if the season ends today, he's an all rookie, all first team, first team, all rookie probably. So looks good for him. Um, and then just a couple other guys I wanted to mention just to keep an eye on Keontae George uh, got the start in their last game against, Oh gosh, I don't even remember who that was against, but he got the start in their last game at point guard and took over Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, if he's in the starting unit, definitely got to keep an eye on what he's doing um, because he was really good in summer league as well. Um, and I believe in the preseason, he had some good games, games too, but um, could be their point guard of the future. So we want to keep an eye on that. Um, the Nuggets, just in general, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Julian Strother. Uh, I'm going to add Colin Gillespie to that as well. Uh, Jamal Murray's out for the next, at least the remainder of this month, so at least probably about three weeks minimum. Um, and obviously that's not going to lead directly to minutes for Peyton Watson, but I think indirectly it does because they're just going to run different lineups. Um, for all these guys, it's going to lead to extra minutes. Got to see what they can do. Um, they've all had at least one or two good games to start the season. I'll have a good bit of upside. Um, we'll kind of see how that pans out. Uh, Jamie Jack has uh, from Miami. Um, Tyler Hero out going to be reevaluated in two weeks. Um, and I think there was reports about him mentioning like crunching in his ankle, which just one sounds disgusting and two isn't encouraging for a quick return. Um, so excited to see how Miami responds with minutes because it's like Jaquez, uh, Josh Richardson and like Duncan Robinson. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on the rookie, uh, Brandon Miller. Um, he's been pretty solid to start this season, um, in, in a limited role. Um, but I think it's worth keeping an eye on. I believe Friday night will be game eight for Charlotte. So after Friday night, they have two more. And then Miles Bridges is supposed to be back. I don't know if Terry Rozier is back, but um, let me say, is Terry Rozier back? And I'm just totally wrong. Let me make sure before I start saying, is Terry Rozier back? And he's literally been back. Okay, yeah, no. Terry Rozier isn't back yet. Um, so Brandon Miller has been starting. Does Miles Bridges come back and immediately move into the starting lineup, push Brandon Miller out? We'll see what is his minutes look like for the rest of the season. We'll see. I think it's it's something to kind of like mark your calendars to look out for that game, which will be against uh, Milwaukee Friday, November 17th. Um, just keeping an eye out to see, okay, like Miles Bridges is supposed to be back based off the 10-game suspension. Um and how does that impact Brandon Miller? How does Terry Rozier's eventual return impact him as well? Uh, Jaden Ivey, 
um, like I said, has been out with an illness for like five straight games now. Um, has been coming off the bench even during the preseason as well. So what does his role look like? How does he look in that role? Um, is there a reason that he's in that role? Does Detroit just Monty Williams doesn't really care for him as much? I mean, we'll see. Um, is his play just not up when he's on the court up to what, you know, even Killian Hayes is doing or Marcus Sasser is doing, um, or do they just really like him as a sixth man? So I think it's something that's worth keeping an eye on um, to see if it's more about fit or if it's more about talent, um, even though I don't think there's many people that just dislike Jaden Ivey's talent. I think it's just, okay, like what's going on here? Got to keep an eye on. Uh, Dyson Daniels was able to start in their last game uh, for the Pelicans because Herb Jones and Zion were out more so because Herb Jones was out. Um, but CJ McCollum is out for, I would imagine about a month, maybe longer. So what does Dyson Daniels role look like? He came off the bench for, and Jordan Hawkins got the start, but Daniels is probably the next point guard up. So what does it look like for him? Um, I think it's something that's worth keeping an eye on. I picked him up in a couple of redraft leagues. Uh, still really, really like him for dynasty as well. So uh, keeping an eye on out on what that looks like for him. Uh, I think that's pretty important as well. But that's uh, all I got. It's going to do it for this episode. Um, you can, if you're watching, you can see it already on the screen, but you can follow me on Twitter at NoahRubin22. Uh, follow Fantasy Basketball International at FBI Basketball. Um, you can check out the website at FBIBasketball.com. Um, if you can like, rate, review, um, I think it's probably the only options. I guess you could subscribe as well to the YouTube if you're watching on there. Um, doing all that helps us, and we would appreciate it a ton. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode, and thank you for listening. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.